pound for pound, this might be the dumbest conversation of all time. <laughs> like, just so stupid. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Houndog Harrison. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 93, the Doug Gilmore edition of the podcast. Before I get to Dougie, I figured I'd once again say that I'm back doing these podcasts, just like I said a few months ago when I had Grant Nabesy Roberts on. Then I didn't do any more pods after that. I endeavor, good word, for that to not happen yet again. Anyways, back to Gilmore. Not only did he have the same last name as the legendary golfer Happy Gilmore, different spelling, but Dougie was, of course, a legendary NHL Hall of Famer who had over 1,400 points. He played for some teams I don't even remember. Of course, he was most known for suiting up for the Leafs, but he also played for the Blues, Flames, Devils, Blackhawks, Sabres, and Canadians. Then he was traded back to Toronto in 2003 at the deadline, but played in only one game and suffered a knee injury, ending his career. That got me thinking about another veteran player who potentially will have the same thing happen with him, Aaron Rodgers. My next guest is an H-Dog pod veteran, and we'll definitely get talking about the crushing Aaron Rodgers injury. All things NFL, NBA, plus some new TV shows to watch, and some other fun stuff. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome back on Calamity Connoisseur, Eric Rosales. Yes, I often get him on when something really bad has happened in the world. Tiger Woods crashing and COVID rocking everything being a few examples. He's extending his record for being on this podcast the most. It's his sixth time having been on episodes 3, 10, 57, 75, and 89. And he's also a massive, massive Seattle Seahawks and Toronto Blue Jays fan. Eric, do you want to talk? spend the whole pod talking about how much you love those teams? You know what? We we may slide by this time. If we, if we have time, we can get into it. But yeah, thanks for having me on. And yeah, like it's perfect just after week one. And um, I knew the call was coming when I... I saw it happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, yeah, you're obviously referring to the Aaron Rodgers uh, horrible uh, injury out for the season. Uh, it tore his Achilles just four plays into the game, uh, out for the year and potentially out for his career, which obviously is horrible. And I, actually, in the intro, I discussed uh, how Doug Gilmore returned to the Leafs back in the day, given that it's episode 93. And after just one game, I don't know if you remember this, his career was over because of a knee injury. And no, obviously it's mm-hmm. a little bit different because Aaron Rodgers, you know, Doug Gilmore was right at the end of his career in terms of, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, was potentially going to win the Super Bowl with the Jets, maybe. Gilmore was pretty much on his last legs. Uh, but basically it's somewhat akin to that. So, uh, yeah. How soul-crushing would it be if you were a Jets fan right now? Oh, my goodness. You know what? I was watching. I was late to, to turning on the game, just a few minutes. So, um, I just returned from, uh, I was stepping out and I came back and turned on the TV. And um, as I was grabbing like a drink and I was sitting down, um, I heard Joe Buck go, yeah, the mood in this place changed since the Rogers injury. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I rewound it and, um, and I saw it and I was like, oh no, right? Like I was just thinking that doesn't look, it didn't look super severe. Like nothing got twisted or bent out of shape or anything. It just looked, and I remember going online to think what people were saying. And yeah, it was just like the, the jetsiest thing but that being said i don't think it's the jetsiest thing like obviously it's super sad and i feel bad for being a jets fan but wouldn't the jetsiest thing be like they were in position to make the playoffs and rogers in week 18 threw for like 480 yards and six touchdowns but they lose like 45 42 to like an, an also ran team like the colts or something right wouldn't that be the jetsiest way of missing the playoffs and being like <laughs> wow rogers 
that could be his swan song. They threw for you know 480 and six touchdowns, and and uh, they didn't even they couldn't beat the Colts to get in the playoffs. Like I feel like that would be more of a Jets line than this. This is just sad. Like for any team, you know, like I would feel I would feel bad if this was Patrick Mahomes. I feel bad if this was you know Justin Herbert or whatever. It just it just sucks, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would uh, agree that it's sort of a Jetsiest thing. However, I'd, I'd push back on that because the Jets wouldn't even be in position to have a chance to be in the playoffs in Week 18 normally because they've been so bad for so long. Actually, uh, speaking of the Jets, uh, it's kind of funny how as the years go on, Rex Ryan was sort of obviously you know bombastic and you know everyone was sort of love or hate type of thing. And I think a lot of people didn't take him as seriously as they maybe should have as a coach, head coach, mm-hmm. but uh, he didn't do super well in Buffalo. But as the years go on, it's like, wait a minute, he brought that team with Mark Sanchez to two, uh, I think it was two straight. Certainly it was at least two AFC title games. Like maybe Rex Ryan yeah. wasn't actually all that horrible after all. I mean, looking back at it, he might be the most successful coach of uh, the Jets in the last 20 years, right? Like, Absolutely he is, for sure. So it's, it's <laughs> they've had some real doozies, for sure. So uh, without question. Yeah, no, I, I just think it, it just sucks because um, really, the, if you watch the game, which we all, I'm sure you stuck around and, and watched it, but the Jets' defense is really good. And Brees Hall looked really good. And Garrett Wilson made just a spectacular catch. And it's just like, it's just that one piece missing. So uh, just sucked watching it. But... What do you think about the possibility that they may be able to drag Tom Brady out of the uh, out of retirement and into the, into this role? God, I would love it so much. I, I always love when the athletes, like when Yarmir Jagger was trying to play all the way till 50, he got pretty darn close to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it was 47 or something like that. Easily forgotten, he finished his career with the Calgary Flames, uh, Yarmir Jagger. But, uh, I would never I would never have even remembered that. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, think he, I think he played like, I don't know, 14, 16 games, something along those lines, and had like one goal. or It, was, it wasn't very good at the end. But uh, wow. yeah, Tom Brady coming back to the Jets, that'd be so, so good. Or, I mean, he's, in, he's been in the system for a while. Uh, Joe Flacco, bring him back. A little bit of Flacco magic, perhaps? <laughs> Flacco Seagulls back in it. I mean, look, I think he, he maxed out what he was able to do uh, last week or last year with the Jets when he, when he orchestrated that come-from-behind win over the, uh, over the Browns, I believe. Um, I, I just think he's so toast. There's all, I mean, all the talk of these quarterbacks that they might want to bring, like Matt Ryan, just doesn't sound good. Carson Wentz doesn't sound good. You know, like they're talking about trading for Gardner Minshew. There's just, it's just like, you just need relevant quarterback play right now. And this team could actually be really good in, uh, and and be a real contender in the AFC. But that being said, I don't want to jump, jump off the Aaron Rodgers thing so quick, but how about the Miami Dolphins? What do you think about that performance? Yeah, I mean, I love Tua Tagovailoa. He's just a, such a fun player to watch. Uh, and obviously, yeah, they were just lighting up the Chargers. Man, speaking of uh, you know, you were talking about the Jets being the you know Jetsiest type of things. That's the that's the Charger. Is, this doesn't even make sense. It's not even a word, but the Chargeriest thing to like you know light up a scoreboard. And of course, their defense was brutal to Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins. Like the the Chargers. There's just certain franchises that are cursed in certain ways. The Chargers, of course, being one. Let's not, of course, forget their uh, meltdown in the playoffs in their previous game last year to uh, Jacksonville. So, uh, yeah, the Dolphins. It, it, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I really, really like uh, watching Tua play. I mean, if he can stay healthy, this offense is breakneck. I, I think that it's. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill is. I don't know if he's the best receiver in the NFL, but he is the most dangerous. Um, the amount of space that he creates for himself. Um, he doesn't have to run a deep pattern ever again. He can run 20-yard ins for the rest of his career. There's nobody within distance of him, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like, so watching him kind of go to town, but the dime that uh, Tua put on him in the fourth quarter there when it was third and four and on the run, um, and he flung it, just kind of flicked a wrist. And, and watching, when he threw it, I was like, Tyreek was at the bottom of the screen? I'm like, I don't know if he's going to get, and then he got there. It was incredible. So um, really fun offense to watch. They might be the most explosive offense um, in the NFL if he stays healthy. God, but they are definitely one of the teams that you want to always have on on the uh, if you do have the zone and you're watching games, man. Absolutely. I love it so much. Uh, well, that's actually on TSN, uh, uh, the red zone now with Scott Hansen. I can't Sorry. believe it's already been 15 seasons they've been doing that. Uh, I was looking at my – not, of course, no one cares about fantasy football, but the point I'm making <laughs> is uh, I was looking at players to, to pick up, and I'm not going to pick them up, but the Dolphins had a receiver. I love his name. River Craycraft. Uh, oh, yeah. Didn't pick him up, of course, but I just love that name so much. Uh, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that offense, uh, Mike McDaniel certainly seems to – you know, to, as long as Tua can stay healthy – uh, you know, very, very good. But yeah, the Chargers. Oh, man. <laughs> Just, uh, but who knows? Like, week one's full of overreactions, good or bad, obviously. Um, you know, Broncos, your Broncos. I was joking, of course, earlier about you being a huge Seahawks fan. I know you don't love them at all. But um, Broncos, very close against the Raiders, but they lost. Uh, how do you think this whole Sean Payton and Russell Wilson thing is going to uh, eventually turn out? Well, let me tell you something. Um, that performance was not as electric as Payton's debut with the Saints. Right. Like when he broke out with the Saints, that was like a magical moment. You know, the punt block and just everything, you know, like went, went from there. It was really awesome. Not the same fanfare. Um, and really much of the same. Like they've just put up 16 points. That's basically on average of what they did last year as well. So um, it's a little disappointing. And, you know, like obviously week one, you can't take too much from it and stuff. But, you know, there's still a lot. There's a ton of season to go. But just kind of want to see more explosive plays you know more pushing it down the field more everything this is a team that's like that's been so so disappointing for so many years now um kind of just was hoping for something better i i love the uh, uh, of course a lot of people because it didn't work they were ripping it but uh and i always hate that i always rail about that on this podcast the results-based oriented thinking but i loved uh sean payton uh, doing the onside kick uh, to start the game just a like he did at the in the Super Bowl against the the Colts at the uh, to start the second half, it didn't work this time for Denver. But I love uh, a Sean Payton's going to do stuff like that. It almost did work. It was really really close. Um, I am very fascinated to see how this will work because he's made some comments about. I, I, I'm sure you saw it. Like, hey Russell, like you don't have to be kissing every single baby and uh, and you know basically essentially saying like he's he's so worried about his image that he's this perfect person. Just freaking play football, man. I, I think that's really the key, right? Like. He, he knows he's talented, but it's like, it seems like all this other stuff. And I know that we don't, you know, we're only speculating and stuff, but it's just so much other nonsense about, about Wilson other than his play on the field. Right. And, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm all for that too. Like knock off all the other stuff, you know, you can do all that other stuff the rest of the season, but for these 18 weeks, right. And beyond just focus on putting up points, right. Running this offense. So, um, I mean, We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but uh, but not not that encouraging to start. But we'll see. We'll see how how, how good it goes uh, as we go on in the season. And that's the thing. Like, uh, there's a lot of uh, divisional games that were sort of upsets. You know, the Browns beating the Bengals, the, the Raiders beating the Broncos. Um, obviously, 
we'll talk about here in a second. Seattle losing to the Rams. Um, and there's, I'm sure there's another one I'm forgetting in there as well. But uh, some divisional games, uh, I had a buddy ask me about in a survivor pool, should I pick Seattle to beat the Rams? And I said, absolutely not. Never pick divisional games in survivor pools because they're just a different animal for whatever reason, especially at the start of the year when you don't know how mm-hmm. teams are, are going to be. They're just a totally different animal. So my strategy for survivor pools is never pick – Divisional games and never pick a road team if I could totally if I could, if I can completely avoid it. I still almost lost by picking Washington. I trusted somehow Washington and, and Mon Rivera and that team, even though they're a disaster as well against Arizona. That almost blew up my face. But uh, yeah, my, by then my, another buddy did pick the Seahawks to beat the Rams, and of course they got pasted by uh, Sean McVay. Just owns Pete Carroll. It's crazy. Yeah, I you know it's crazy because that Rams team is not. If you look at the rosters, just there's I mean, did they have like 26 undrafted free agents on that team, and um and I forget one of the guys one of the guys in my fantasy pool again we don't want to talk too much fantasy but he picked the receiver is it Pakua I forget his name but it was like a very distinct name Pakua Nakua I believe yeah, his name fifth is. round rookie uh you know uh play, obviously playing his very very first game and he he went off and of course he thought of uh Tutu Atwell second round pick was thought to be about a bust basically and he went off and, and it was incredible as well so yeah that, that yeah, so, their offense was still they didn't miss a beat without Cooper Cup yeah so that was that was a that was pretty disappointing if you're a Seattle fan I, I have the Seahawks winning um or sorry competing with the 49ers obviously i mean there's no news there i think that they're both really good teams uh so that was a little bit disappointing i was and again i don't really know about the about the bengals um like i'm not worried about them because i think joe burrow is like a top three quarterback but they they suck to start years like that's really like if you're a better you should aim for them to to go against the spread on them uh like the first two weeks before they turn it around and they'll finish you know, they'll finish 11 and 11 and six or you know 12 and five by the time it's done I think but just a really really bad performance against the Browns yeah and Joe Burrow uh, I mentioned it's, it's kind of weird he I think his uh, career against them I think he's lost five of six or four or five I'm pretty sure it's five of six uh mm-hmm. bizarre that he'd sort of be so and and oftentimes well He's obviously not going to be playing well, probably, if they're losing. But it's not like he's lighting up a scoreboard and the defense is, uh, you know, letting him down type thing. Yeah, for some reason, uh, just absolutely abysmal against the Browns. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, to those divisional games, of course, the other one I was thinking of was at the start of the game, you would have thought maybe the Jets would win. But once Zach Wilson had to came, come into the game, another divisional game, you wouldn't have thought uh, the Bills would have lost on that one. Josh Allen, a million uh, interceptions, uh, so many turnovers. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think we, we sort of touched on Zach Wilson to, to bring him back to back back to that yes. for a second. But do you think actually – I would have thought if, if uh, say, Rodgers was injured middle of the year, Wilson might have actually been totally fine, like given like a few months of uh, being his understudy like uh, mm-hmm. of actual games. Going into this, yeah, now you're the starter right away. I don't, I'm not so sure it's going to work out, but uh, I think it would have if it had, a, had he been injured about uh, halfway through the season or something like that. I agree. I think that even like a full year with Rogers there, uh, with Wilson watching, I think would have been done wonders for him. Um, but you could see how how conservative the offense was uh, towards the end. They had, and uh, they mentioned it. Uh, Troy Aikman mentioned it a few times at the end there that Garrett Wilson was one on one, and they just didn't. Ha- and and it wasn't against. Um, oh, I forget who the 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 cornerback is for uh, for Buffalo, their their top corner. But he was on the opposite side, so he was going up against some uh, rookie Jamie or Swain. some. Yeah, yeah. So White was on the other side, and uh, and uh, Wilson was up against the other the other opposite DB. And Troy Ekman kept saying like, they should go, they should just throw it up to him one on one, let him go up and get it. And they just didn't trust that that Wilson was was able to make those throws without you know turning it over or making something horrible happen. So 
Um, I, yeah, it's a tough one because, uh, because like Robert Sala said right away that he's the guy and that is, might be the most discouraging thing that he said this, he'll say this year, right? You know, like they should really think about if the defense is as good as they say they are, or as, as we think they are, then you probably have to try to find something serviceable or this is a lost season, right? That'd be absolutely, uh, yeah, it'd be horrific for Jets fans. He had another bad season potentially, but who knows? Maybe Zach Wilson has, you know, figured that out, uh, and maybe they'll be, they'll be, maybe they'll surprise some people. Uh, from what's uh, one Jets quarterback to a former Jets quarterback? Good segue. Uh, yeah, let me go on a slight rant about the Seahawks here. So Geno Smith, of course, the you know the Seattle offense against the Rams had 12 yards total yards in the second half. Eight or nine of those yards were on the very last play of the game. So they were absolutely hideous in that second half. Yet, of mm-hmm. course, uh, everyone, I, of course, uh, you know, Steve Domini, former podcast guest, he loves to loves to troll me because he doesn't have a team. I hate that. Uh, I, I'm so jealous he doesn't have a team. So he can just, you know, chirp everybody and finds it really funny. But he's like, oh, is it Drew Locke season already? It's like, oh, my God, come on, man. <laughs> and, yeah, they lost both their tackles in the game, which was a complete dumpster fire when that went out. But, um, oh, no. uh, you know, I'm just sick of... Uh, it's taking, I think it's like year five or year six. I know it's only one game, but year five or year six of, uh, oh, yeah, the defense is going to be really good this year. The pass rush is going to be awesome. And, oh, we got all the guys. And, and then it takes them like five, six weeks to figure it out every single year. They are like the worst defense. They're on historic paces every single time, it seems, every single year, uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they sort of figure it out and they're decently okay. But I, I'm just sort of sick of every year. It's like, how on the world? Like, they weren't even close to uh, touching Matthew Stafford in that game. So he had all the time in the world. Of course, he's a veteran quarterback. He's just picking them apart, like like we already mentioned, with a fifth-round rookie and and a, and a guy who previously thought everyone thought was a bust as a second-round receiver. They're just torching them through the air. And it's just like, here we go again. They actually were good against the uh, on the run against the run this time because last year they were mm-hmm. abysmal. But, you know, to sell it, to stop the run, they were uh, horrible against the pass. I'm just sick of every single year, going into the year, okay, yeah, the defense is going to be really good, the pass rush, we've got all these great guys, they're going to be awesome, and then every single damn year, it's sucking. Well, I, I do I do feel for you, Krusty, as a Broncos fan, I can feel for you. But one of the things that I, I do think is good is that Pete Carroll might be one of the, oh, he definitely is one of the best coaches at, at adjusting and basically shielding the problems. So... In spite of problems, um, they're able to overcome it. And I think that he'll be able to, like, see what he's got. I think it takes a couple, for whatever reason, and you'll know better than me, but uh, it'll take a couple of weeks for the Seahawks to, for him to figure out exactly what this, what they have. And then from there, he kind of goes into the lab and kind of makes those makes those adjustments on the fly, and then they kind of take away from that. Um, I mean, really shocking, obviously, just that sort of performance uh, in week one, especially against a team that really, other than Aaron Donald and Stafford, there's really no one you can re- uh, you can call on that team that would be even close to a legitimate star, I guess, right? Yeah. So, um, but I would like again, I wouldn't really worry about it. I think that that was it's just like these slow starts all the time. You know, we talked about remember last uh, last year we talked about the start of the season how some some players don't play in the preseason, some quarterbacks, and you know Joe Burrow didn't play and he looked awful. Rodgers played a few snaps, but then again it didn't matter because his season was over. So it's almost like this this first couple of uh, you almost want to just come out of the first four weeks unscathed. So it, even if you're like one in three, I don't think that's a bad thing as long as you're still healthy. And as long as you're, you have a good coach, you can, you can turn things around. But I think that if you're like, if you're a bad team and you, and uh, no matter what you do in the preseason or whatever, it, it's going to be a struggle for you. But I think it's like this whole, this, the way the NFL works now, it's like that first four weeks, it's like a, it's like a crap shoot. You just want to come out of it, 
get a, get a win or two and just sort of get aligned and get the last, you know, 13 games in and, and then you can focus on it because the, four, the first four weeks, it's actually wild, right? It's just crazy stuff that we don't, that we don't see and we don't think of uh, by the time we get to the, to January and February, right by the playoffs. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, you're so, totally right. And it's not just uh, a Seattle thing, you know, the, the Bengals, as we already mentioned with Joe Burrow and everything like that. Uh, some teams just had some really, really uh, crooked uh, first games. And uh, I, I remember many, many moons ago, the Panthers won week one. I think it was against the Vikings, I want to say. And they were 1-0. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, maybe this Panthers team will be better than we thought. And then they lost the last 15 games. So... Uh, you know, it, this is many moons ago now. So it's uh, it's just overreaction for, for week one certainly happens a lot of times. No question about that. But uh, we'll see how things play out here, uh, you know, for the NFL season. We'll definitely have to, of course, have you back on talking about how um, Pete Carroll perhaps won a Super Bowl with uh, the Seattle, Geno Smith uh, you know, at the end of the season. Hey, That'd be amazing. One thing I wanted to talk about, too, was that I really want to talk about this whole offseason thing about the running backs and how they, they gathered together and how they were kind of getting phased out and really getting – Getting nothing with this, um, uh, getting getting franchised uh, with with really low pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people that the conversations on there is like, oh, it's too bad. You know, this is this is the these are the points that um, this is the way that the the league is operating now. It's a it's a pass first league. All this stuff, you know, stuff like oh, the the the, the seventh round pick Isaiah Pacheco was a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, or sorry, was a starting running back in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So it doesn't matter. And I just wanted to say like. This is to me. This is kind of ridiculous when people talk about it like this. Like, for sure, Isaiah Pacheco could be a seventh round pick in the Super Bowl. You know why? Because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, right? So it's like, sure. yeah, of course, it's fine, right? But when they talk about these contracts, like, how many bad contracts have NFL teams doled out for every position? Mm-hmm. Who is paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars? Who in their right mind would pay him forty million dollars, right? And then when when Barkley, Saquon Barkley, was the engine of that offense, right? So I'm just saying, like, when people talk about this sort of thing, like, well, it's too bad, or don't play this position, or whatever. I just I just think people don't realize, like, this is such a, a scrap heap commodity. You're just like, let's just take the best players, run them into the ground, and then when we're done with them, we just move them on. We just won't sign them. Or we'll just get another guy. I'll do this rinse repeat right i'm just saying like the only what you can do is this like just just if they're valuable like i'm not saying not every not every running back deserves the bag right mm-hmm. like that's fair just like but in the nfl it's like every quarterback deserves a bag or every left tackle or every um every edge rusher deserves the bag right but there's so many bad contracts i'm just saying why not just like for barkley why not give him a four-year 60 million dollar deal with 32 million up front so, so he does secure his signing bonus that doesn't go against the cap. Again, I'm not a major capologist, but if you take that $32 million up front, so he gets paid, now there's $28 million left on that. Now it's a four-year deal, $7 million a year. Are we all not satisfied now? Yeah. This, guy's not, you know, this guy's not upset. They're probably paying his fair value. And then, like, we don't have to go into this thing and then have all these people go in and, and talk about the state of running backs. And it's like, hey, it's not our fault. Or you guys are having, you know, you guys are like, you sound so upset and and all this nonsense it's like just pay the guys that deserve it man yeah and like yeah for the colts like jonathan taylor you, you know you're breaking in a rookie uh, uh quarterback in anthony richardson uh you know at least apparently really raw coming into the into the into the nfl it's like yeah just give jonathan taylor his contract you know and, and satisfy him 
instead of you know alienating him because as you mentioned in the NFL like they'll get rid of you in a, in a heartbeat and I find that so crazy you know other leagues have like guaranteed contracts in the mm-hmm. one league where the most by far you have guys who can get injured and their careers over in a heartbeat you'd think mm-hmm. they actually would have actual guaranteed contracts but no 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 like as an example Bobby yeah. Wagner signed a 5 year deal with the Rams last year after Seattle mm-hmm. cut him as well and then he was excellent for the Rams and then after one year even though he was excellent they cut him. They got rid of him. So it's like yeah. the contracts in the NFL actually are never anything at all, really. So you'd, yeah. think, you'd think the Players Association and everything would actually have, um, you know, contracts that are that were more guaranteed because so many guys can just get injured and boom, they're done. Yeah, that's that's the economy, like the business part of the league is that the owners will never go for guaranteed contracts, which which is absolutely brutal. You're right. I just think like if if the signing bonus is the thing that doesn't count against the cap and teams are flush with money, like. I remember I used to, I, I said this all the time before, like the NFL is the perfect run league if you're an owner. At the beginning of the year, they tell you you're making this much money. Like literally, that's the start. And then from there, you just, I mean, that's after all your operations, your costs, your everything. This is how much money you're winning, you're taking home this year because of being an owner in the NFL. So it's like, it's not like, why are we, why are we worried about it? If, it, if like signing bonuses is front end money, these teams can afford to do that. And then, and then uh, that's what they do anyways, right? When they try to renegotiate someone's contract, what do they do? They they turn the rest of the contract, the, the money into a signing bonus, and then they and they extend the years or something like that. So it's like the the framework is there. It's just like it shouldn't be like, well, we're not going to pay a running back because because running backs aren't aren't good, or we're not going to draft a running back because they don't last. Like they do have a shelf life. You just have to compensate it properly and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like two more years of Barkley is probably what you what the Giants want. So if they just paid him up front with a big signing bonus, everything's fine. Instead, they want to give him, you know, like this happened, what year was it, with Le'Veon Bell, right? The, the year before, they gave him close to 400 touches. And they knew they were going to do that again. They franchised him, like, and, and people ripped him for sitting out. But and obviously, it didn't work out for him. But he did sign a big contract with the Jets after. But, you know, his career was never the same. But sometimes these guys got to do what they got to do, man. I, I'm totally for it is I guess what I wanted to say. And I hate when people take ownership side. Like, why? Why side with ownership? Yeah, it's the worst. Absolute worst. Uh, I do feel bad for undrafted running backs. Uh, I have a few examples. Uh, uh, Thomas Rawls for Seattle was like a stud Mm -hmm. uh, for about a year and a half. I I think it was his Mm -hmm. knee, basically never the same out of the league in two years. You remember, of course, one of your guys, Philip Lindsay, was uh, yes. Denver was a stud, especially for fantasy wa- waiver wire pickups. For you know, oh my god, you got to pick up this random undrafted guy. He was really good, basically bouncing around the league and pretty much out of, out of the NFL. And James Robinson was that guy a couple years ago for the Jaguars. I think it was like two years Hollywood. ago. Stud. Yep. And Hollywood, then man. now he can basically he's basically hanging on by a thread. So I do feel bad for undrafted running backs. You know, get mm-hmm. run into the ground, pun intended. And then all of a sudden, you know, two years later, boom, they get not that much money and then their careers are over. I do feel bad about that for sure. Yeah, um, it's tough, man. I mean, I just I just thought it I just I just don't not, do not like the conversation online with people being like, "Well, sorry, that's it." Or or don't complain. It's 10 million, you know. Oh, poor you. It's 10 million dollars. It's like it's tough if you're like the like a guy like Barkley who's a franchise back to basically the the engine of that offense and he's getting they're they're making him sign a, a tender for 10 mil. Meanwhile, their offensive linemen are signing huge contracts. Daniel Jones made $40 million this year. It's like, 
unbelievable. <laughs> it really so, is. Anyways, anyways, just just wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, I like it. I love it a lot. Uh, well, uh, I, just, I actually looked at the time. I'm like, oh my god, we're already. Uh, I, I can't believe how quickly the the time has flown. So this conversation has been scintillating. Good word. Uh, we <laughs> talked beforehand on this podcast, and you and you wanted to uh, bring up for uh, switching to the uh, NBA. Uh, a debate between three legends of the game and uh, and the world champions debate. Uh, yeah, you wanted to talk about those. So, yeah, get, let's get some more right. stuff off your chest. This is like a therapy session for you, uh, all the things Seriously. you uh, want, to, want to talk about. All right, let's do it. You know what? Let's go with the world championships stuff first. Okay, so obviously Noah Lyles is a 100-meter sprinter for the United States. And at the world championships, he won the gold medal. And he got onto the um, at his press conference, and he basically ripped on the NBA because they called themselves – when they win the title, they call themselves world champions. And he's like, world champions of what? The USA? And all this, you know, this huge debate went on. It was on talk shows. It was online. I was like, okay, first of all, pound for pound, this might be the dumbest conversation of all time. <laughs> like, just so stupid. Like, honestly, who cares? I don't care. Like, if you're a sports fan, you knew that a long time ago. This is like the early 2000s. I, I can recall it as, as early as two, in the 2000s when – um. Boston won the World Series when they, when they won when they broke the curse and they won the World Series. Joe Buck called them World Champions. I remember thinking that I'm like, oh, I think he meant World Series champions. But then they started calling them World Champions. You know what? Who cares? Right? Honestly, yeah. it doesn't matter. And this this whole like you know all this all this conflict like it's just it's just nuance, right? So, um, but is is Lyles right? Sure. Do we need to waste any time on this? Fudge. No, man. You don't need to waste any more time. It's just it's just something that sucked up the airwaves for a couple of days, and it's just like people are chiming in, being like, "Oh, these are the champions. These are the best players in the world." I'm like, and then someone's like, "Well, in soccer, they are the best team in Europe during the European Championships. You're called the European champion." I'm like, "All right, guys. Like, holy flip. Can we just? Can you guys get off my feet? Is what I was thinking, right?" And, that's the and, first one. and also, of course, uh, you know, you call it football, not uh, not soccer. There, Eric. Uh, you know, that's a whole other debate that we can go into. That are uh, just like, okay, we know, you know, what we're talking about. Like, relax, the beautiful game. Okay, relax, calm down, calm down. But yes, uh, yeah, we're, I agree with you. The world champs. Yeah, it doesn't. It's so. It's semantics. Who cares? Who cares? We we understand what we understand what the point is. Yes. So I just I thought that was a bit that was dumb. Right. So that was one thing that was really really getting me but the other one it's been like all summer long and it's because of it's because of what i watch and i was because of what i consume online but i'm obviously a basketball fan and i'm looking up all kinds of basketball and my my feed is just inundated daily with these people that want to defend uh, michael jordan as the goat or kobe Bryant as the goat or lebron james as the goat and i'm like holy can you guys just piss off already man like <laughs> They're just the same. It's the same arguments all the time, and we're never gonna get anywhere, right? We just we just won't, and that's fine. But it's just like the stuff that's coming out of here, right? Like, you know, Kobe fans, what they have to defend all the time from the haters. Like they'll make a you know a Kobe stand will come in and talk about why he's the best, and then he'll have to defend himself because everyone will attack him because they'll just say he won his first three titles riding shotgun with Shaq, who at the time was the best player on earth or the most dominant. And then, like, you know, LeBron, whenever people make a statement about LeBron, they have to defend that he lost uh, six times in the finals and that he's jumped on these super teams and all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, my God, there's, there's one guy that, that went on there and, and basically said that the reason that he's lost so many titles is because he doesn't have a go-to move. And then he proceeded to list people's go-to moves. And for Shaq, 
his go-to move was a dunk. I was like, this is, I am so dumb reading this stuff. (laughs) And then, of course, Jordan fans or Jordan stands will come out there and basically say he's the greatest of all time. It's never been a debate. And then, of course, their argument against that they have to defend the, that he's won no titles without Scottie Pippen. Uh, they try to forget about the Washington chapter of his mm, career, yeah, yeah. you know. And then, of course, they're retiring in his prime, right? And there's just all kinds of nonsense in there. You know, like, Jordan fans will bring up the fact that he played 82 games um, X number of years, like so many years in a row, and LeBron's never played, you know, he's played one full season where he's played all 82 games. But then LeBron becomes the all-time leading scorer, and they're like, well, Jordan would have done that if he played more games. You know, it's just like... I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of it. Like, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron fan and, and I'm, I'm still kind of in this goat debate. I still kind of put Jordan ahead of him, but I can totally go and understand if someone was, was to put LeBron there. And, and sometimes I feel bad because I should be putting him on there and stuff. But the thing of what I'm trying to say is that these guys are all great players and they're all great generational players. And it's like, let's just stop this stuff already it's just such nonsense to go through all this and it's just like it was inundating my feed and you were like let's go on the pod i'm like all right let's do this let's get this part off my chest right because <laughs> now all of a sudden there's another dude that that's popped up on my feed and and he's he's on the train of steph curry is the best player uh goat all time and i'm like oh my god so now you've got all this noise from all these basketball fans and nobody nobody's going to give any ground right nobody will acknowledge it i just think it's like look you want to call Whoever is the GOAT, that's cool. But at least make sure that there's room to be open to somebody else being that. Because all three of them, I don't really care. You can pick whoever you want. You can make the case for all of them. In your mind, that's cool. Like, it's fine with me, too. Like, I don't really care. But that it's taking up all this all this space online, it's just it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Yeah, you sound like you're just describing social media. And, uh, you know, usually a lot of times it's, it's with politics. It's like, oh, God, shut up. But I think we can all agree uh, who, who actually is the GOAT for uh, the NBA is Big Country Reeves, of course. Big Country Reeves, clearly the best NBA player of all time. That is my guy. That is my guy. But, yeah, just wanted to get that off my chest because, like, you know what? I don't know. The offseason, the basketball offseason hasn't been great. But, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see, like, I guess Canada winning uh, – or qualifying for the Olympics. I think that was a highlight of the summer. But um, this stuff, I think just these conversations just need to die off the timeline. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it, 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 like you said, it, well, it's like, literally the exact same uh, as politics. It's like you're never going to convince uh, someone else of, otherwise. So just why mm-hmm. even waste your breath, basically, uh, with all that stuff? Uh, yeah, you did yeah. mention, of course, yeah, USA or Canada being USA uh, in a third place game, which is really, really neat as well. Uh, but I also, uh, I, very, very recently, uh, you're talking about LeBron only playing um, 82 games there, uh, the once in his career. I saw mm-hmm. that uh, the NBA is going to be there's going to be penalties for uh, teams uh, that uh, you know do the load management thing. Uh, tell us about that. Yes. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. So they they basically it's been a killer for having these primetime games being set up on national television, having the stars not play because of load management. So now they're going to uh, put up these penalties uh, or basically let teams know that it's not going to be acceptable. Now, LeBron gets an exception to this, and so do some of the veteran players if they've logged X number of minutes, X number of games in their career, and uh, that will be that will be allowed and stuff. So basically, like, if you're a super vet, there are exceptions for you, but if you're like, if you're like a star in your prime, it's not really going to, like, if you're a 20, I don't know, Devin Booker, they're not going to just say load management if you're not injured and stuff. So it's just one of those weird things. I think, the, to be honest, the real solution is Let's just cut the NBA season down for real to like a, 
a, a reasonable number, like 68 games, 63 games even, so that every regular season game is like meaningful, right? That's why the that's why we love the NFL because losing two games in a row could be the death nail to your season, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what happens, right? If you drop two straight at the beginning of the year, that could be the reason why you miss miss the playoffs by a game, right? So um, that's the way that you stop load management. And you know, people and again. Look, old school cats. Oh man, these guys—they played, they played all games and all this stuff. Blah blah. The, the the game is so different now. You know, these players are legitimately elite peak athletes going full tilt. Um, they're bigger, faster, stronger, and it's just not feasible to be playing, you know, four games in five nights or or back to back games where you're playing. You know, one game goes into overtime and you play 55 minutes, and then the next night you're on national TV playing this game. It's like, you know what? Let's let's fix up the schedule and then we can th- that'll sort everything out. Then you can talk about, you know, load management from there. But if it's if it's a 68 game schedule or a 65 or whatever, and then players are sitting out, then okay, we got something to talk about. But right now, I mean, if I was a coach, who really cares about where you're placed in the playoffs, right? Like it doesn't really matter. It's, I, I kind of think it's the same as hockey, right? Hockey has that too. Like there's so many games. I mean, but then again, there's <laughs> it feels like there's so many playoff spots available and and the, the divisional thing is all weird and everything. But really, if you cut these games down, if you cut down the regular season, wouldn't it just make it that much more intense? And then when it got to the playoffs, these guys are fresher, right? So they're not be, like – It'd be cool. Yeah, right. It'd be cool. But unfortunately, yeah, the owners don't want that because, of course, they want more uh, revenue from their uh, – from um, people paying uh, money. Uh, and explain it to me like I'm, uh, like I'm five years old, uh, which I'm – probably am anyway with my maturity level but um uh the, this nba i think it's i think it's going into effect this year maybe it's next year this like i think i believe it's november they have some sort of like weird tournament in the middle of the season or was that an april fool's joke i don't think it was yeah 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 they have an in-game tournament so i don't know all the details of it but basically part of it is gonna uh, oh man you caught me at the wrong time with this one there is there is a tournament and it is gonna count for something but not it's going to count for something, but not exactly like uh, it'll still be able to be baked into the regular season. So just sort of like in football, in the European version, there's all these little tournaments in between the actual season that they play in. And mm-hmm. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's to bring up excitement. You know, I think a, peop- a lot of people like the play-in version of uh, of um, the playoffs there, where it's not just if you if you happen to hang on to the the last the eighth seed you're in, you know, you're gonna have to earn it, and also you know precludes people from tanking and all that stuff you know you can't really be telling your fan base well we have no shot when you're like a game out of out of you know making the play in right you just have to make the top 10 right uh to get in so i think it's just another element to it i'm not really sure if i'm into it and stuff like it's always this weird thing to uh to find incentives for players to do stuff that isn't part of what they're doing you know so that's why they did bake it into the regular season because it does count for games, so it is theoretically towards something, but it's really hard to get players to like buy into something that doesn't really do anything for them except perhaps like money or you know country pride or stuff like that. Like that's why they go to the Olympics and stuff. But I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm open to seeing it, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So well, uh, uh, the reason I brought that up, and and that's not a good sign if uh, we both know about of course you're a bigger basketball fan than i am but we both know about this thing but we can't even really fully describe what's going on with this tournament thing so you know obviously it might take a little bit of time you know a year or two and then we can sort of figure it out but 
the fact that I remember when I first came out, everyone was kind of, I mean, I guess sort of intrigued by it, but kind of more confused than anything else. That's not a good yeah, sign well, when people are confused before it even starts. <laughs> dude, and the chatter on it is gone. So they announced it, and I remember reading about it, and literally that was, I think that was at, right at the end of the season before the draft. And since then, I've heard, like, nothing, no conversations about it. You know why? Because there's too many of these Fudging. people talking about LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, GOAT discussion. That's what it is. But uh, there's no one really talking about this one. So I'm sure when the regular season rolls around, we'll get a chance to kind of digest it a little bit. And then maybe we can talk about tweets and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the NBA for, you know, attempting these things. You know, with the, like, as you mentioned, the play-in tournament, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, play- the play-in games, and then, of course, uh, doing this. It's, you know, it's better than just... Oh well, oh well. This is the way it's always been forever. And oh, you know, maybe we'll cut two games out. I remember, you know, the NHL used to be eighty-four and went down to eighty-two. I think I was seeing some like you know discussions about uh, the NHL like going to you know two less games or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the point if it's two less games? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Like as you said, like you know, sixty-eight games, sixty-two games, or whatever. Like yeah. cutting things out, you know, considerably makes sense. But two less games. I mean, who cares, right? It's it's bizarre. Honestly, so it's, I mean. Imagine, imagine if these leagues actually got serious about it and basically said, "Let's put in, let's let's talk about performance. Let's talk about um, sort of like uh, the gravity of, of of a game." And say they brought it down to even like thirty-five or forty games. Could you imagine if you played two games a week and it's like, "Oh my God!" You know, like the the Lakers are playing the Warriors and this one is huge, right? Like it's it, it would be it would be so huge. And same in hockey. Imagine if they went to a 40 game schedule. It'd be oh. like every game would be, would be do or die. Right. Yep. That'd so, be amazing. I mean, it would be cool. Yeah. I've, I've talked about this. I'm sure with you a million times, but I just don't understand the lack of innovation in hockey. Like in hockey, it's always been, I mean, there's, there's been tweaks and stuff, but why has there been no, no team that's been like, we're going to go with no defensemen. We're just going to go five forwards all through the year. I mean, is it dumb? Perhaps, but it might also be like if you if you create the right sort of team with getting the right defensive minded players and all that stuff, perhaps you create an offense that no one's ever seen before and actually crushes the league. Right? That'd, be, that'd be really cool to see that actually. Yeah, basically, uh, uh, essentially a uh, souped up power play uh, all the time. That'd be that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, obviously, again, roster management matters, so you can't be having a bunch of you know, uh, I guess, team with Lannies, all five of them at the same time because. They get the they get cycled into the zone, you get killed, right? But I just think that there's there's room for that innovation and stuff, and it's not it it just feels like nobody wants to try it in the in the NHL in the NFL. They had to look at college football to expand this game, right? They had to look at how um, how they were going with these spread sets and and up tempo offenses and stuff, and that's where they took it from. So maybe it, it does have to go from the younger leagues, right? But I don't know, man. I, I talked to all the guys that we know that play beer league. Nobody plays defense, man. Nobody tries it. So it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. No. I, hey, look, I, I love it. That'd be, uh, that'd be fun to see it. Certainly see. And yeah, it's pretty much been uh, the exact same uh, in the in the NHL for forever with that uh, stuff. Well, actually, maybe sli- the only th- slight slight difference is we're talking about running backs. Uh, goalies now in the in the uh, NHL, other than maybe like five or six of them. It's mm-hmm. pretty much like kind of like running backs. Instead of like your stud goalies, it's pretty much like Aiden Hill won the cup with the uh, with Vegas the year before. Uh, um, uh, wow, I'm blanking on his name for Colorado. Uh, he signed a deal with uh, Washington. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? But I'll, I'll think of it ah. momentarily. But yeah, the the goalie uh, as well, and it's like uh, Darcy Kemper, and uh, so yes. it's like. 
pretty much in the NHL now, they're definitely going back sort of the, the running back model of like, ah, oh, well, whatever. Any any old guy in there is fine as long as we have a good team around him type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of weird how they did that. It's it's like all of a sudden it was like it's cool to shuffle around uh, goalies, you know? Like, remember um, when the Canucks made the playoffs, they, they did it recently. They had uh, um, Jacob Markstrom. And like in the offseason, they're like, oh, yeah, they, he, he went to Calgary. It was like, that wasn't in a, like a... It, back in like the in the early 2000s, if you had a goalie that took you to the playoffs and was really good, I was like, you have to like lock them down. And now they just kind of move around like musical chairs, right? Yeah, you'd definitely rather have a uh, Jacob, Jacob Markstrom in net there as opposed to Dan Cloutier and what he might do in the playoffs back in the day. <laughs> Thunder, Thunder Dan Cloutier. Love him. Yeah, Love him. Yeah. He wasn't as good as Troy Gamble. He was a better goalie for Vancouver. Oh. Love Troy Gamble, man. Yeah, Love great, Troy Gamble. What a great name, Troy Gamble. Uh, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, you know, just uh, of course when you hear the name, all right, uh, let's, let's make some, let's make some bets. Just you know, uh, it goes hand in hand. Uh, well, I'll get you out of here because I know uh, your time is precious, Eric. This has been amazing. But uh, before I, let you, of course, let you go, we have to talk about uh, the last time you were on. There's some TV shows you were mentioning, and uh, and uh, perhaps even some movies. I actually randomly have started getting into movies uh going to the theater the theater oh. for some matinees oh. i basically hadn't Fantastic. watched movies for like two decades but so oh, a lot of fun and we'll get to the movies in a sec but uh, you were mentioning uh the to watch the bear last time on this podcast and i just yes. re- literally literally watched the season one in one day and i watched the first couple episodes of season two that show is so so good it is incredible so good. Um, I kind of just bolt you into the kitchen with them. You know what I mean? And it's just like the characters they made. I mean, you haven't even gotten to the heavy, like into the into the heavy hitter stuff of season two. Season two is just an absolute gem. So uh, I'm glad that you you got into it, and I'm glad that you uh, you really appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's a so for those that haven't watched, it's on Disney Disney Plus, by the way. That's where I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so a, a guy comes back to run his uh, family's uh, restaurant in Chicago, and it's sort of the, the behind the scenes of you know them working in the restaurant. But of course, he has to deal with some family tragedy. That's the reason why he's now running this restaurant. Uh, that's about, about as good a way as I can describe it without giving too much away. But basically, you know, the uh, the, the personal relationships in this you know, high stress kitchen uh, environment uh, that, that goes along. Uh, Really, really great. The characters are fantastic. Another show that I recently watched on Apple TV, uh, it's with your boy Idris Elba from uh, The Wire. Uh, Hijack? I don't know if you've seen Hijack. That one was electric as well. Yo, you texted me that, and uh, I watched it the day, all in the same day. I crushed it. <laughs> um, Amazing, right? Wow. It's a really good show. And usually, like uh, a series like that, you're like, okay, this is this is about four episodes too long. We get it. They're on a plane. It's all, but this one was really well done, man. Like, and again, Idris Elba's obviously great, so um, that adds the cachet to it. But it was so good, man. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. It was really good. Yeah, obviously, as, as the show name suggests, uh, you know, the the Idris Elba is a uh, you know on a plane and it gets hijacked and he's has to use his master negotiating skills to hopefully. Uh, land that plane to safety, and obviously the uh, people on the plane are freaking out, and it's very, very well done. Uh, you know, every episode is just, especially I think it was the second last episode, or I'm not spoiling anything, but one of the last episodes anyway. The ending of one of the episodes was like, holy crap, this is mm-hmm. insane. So uh, definitely, oh, that that's that would be one I would. Those those would be the two shows I've recently watched. I've crushed a lot lately, but those are the two that I would suggest. Uh, uh, you know, uh, watching that's for sure. And, and of two course, more. Oh, you have to come I got more. two more yeah. before I go. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, I think I told you about Warrior. So Warrior's on Crave, and it's basically, I think I told you about this, it's a treatment written by Bruce Lee, 
an eight-page treatment that they turned into a series. And it's basically about Chinese immigrants coming to San Francisco in the, I guess, 1800s. So you've got like um, Irish workers, you've got the cops, uh, you've got the uh, you've got Chinatown and you've got a bunch of corruption and, and and fighting and it's just an incredible show. So season three just dropped this uh, this summer and um, really good, continually good. So that is a for sure yay. If you have not seen it, just really well done. Mm. Uh, if you like action and, and, uh, and some good storylines. Um, I cannot endorse the final season of Top Boy on Netflix. What's it called? Top so Boy? You, Top Boy, yeah. So basically it's... Yeah, so Top Boy is uh, basically a story about um, gangs in London or drug dealers in London uh, in their in their block and stuff, right? And and people trying to be the top boy. So the first season um, went came and went, and it was really good, uh, and it never got renewed until Drake saw it, and he went and renewed and became the executive producer for season two and season three. No way. And then this, yeah, and it and it really took off, and uh, and so it was so good, and then the final season. I didn't even know about it. It just kind of popped up on Netflix. I was like, oh, here it is. And it's six episodes. And it is such a letdown from, from, the, from basically the high of these last two seasons. Just mm. incredible writing, incredible acting. And this one is just, it feels rushed. It feels, um, un, I don't know, I feel like they, they had time to think this through and, and work it out better. But it just didn't, uh, it didn't end the way that, uh, that I wanted it to. And I thought that it was really just just a, not a good ending to what had been basically a dynamite series that was that was definitely in my top ten. Uh, you could have talked me into it being a top five, and now it's definitely outside of the top. That last season was that bad. So. Oh no! Yes, it's one of those ones where it's like a, I never would watch anyway. But Game of Thrones, I was never intrigued by that. But everyone yeah. hated the last season, so it's like, well, I didn't really care for it anyway uh, without seeing it. <laughs> to be fair, I never saw it. But yeah. uh, then I was like, yeah. well, if everyone hates the ending as well, then what's the point of even really getting into it, type of thing, right? So yeah, mm. I would I would suggest watching it though, like the top four ones, because they're so well done. I know you I know you uh, you span the globe of all different kind of styles, but this uh, this gang, basically drug dealing gangs in in London. Oh, it's really good, man. Really well done. And then it's just it's just unfortunate that this last season happened the way it did. So. That's too bad. But, yeah, I'll definitely have to watch that uh, without question. Uh, another random show that, of course, uh, obviously you've never watched, I'm sure, but uh, another random person who wants to be on Coronation Street of all shows. I, I, and this, this wasn't a, a, an April Fool's joke. Uh, I heard about this recently, and I just dying laughing. So uh, apparently he's been watching it for, like, 20 years. I'm drawing it out for the, for the suspense of this because it's so, so funny. Uh, okay, uh, I'll give you a trivia question. Uh, to, to, you'll figure it out right away. What celebrity would you say is most uh, associated with weed? With weed? Just love smoking weed all of the damn time. Uh, Snoop Dogg? Yeah, Snoop Dogg absolutely <laughs> loves Coronation Street, apparently. And he's told me he wants a part in the show and to write him in. And apparently they're going to try to do it, which is the funniest thing of all, the funniest crossover of all time. I almost wish I didn't uh, know about this and just one day was watching Coronation Street as I have for 20 years. And then all of a sudden he's just on the show. I would have been like, wait, what? Yeah, Snoop Dogg apparently loves Coronation Street, which is the funniest thing ever. Yo, man, your your library is vast. If you can lay claim to watching Coronation Street and then being like, oh, yeah, I've watched Line of Duty and all these other, the bear, 
you are fire, my friend. That is incredible. Uh, I do love uh, spanning, uh, yeah, like you said, different genres. I'm all over the place. Reality TV, you know, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of you know sports documentaries, which you know I've watched a few lately as well. Uh, uh, you know, and some of them are pretty good. Some are, eh. The Johnny Menzel one was okay, but uh, yeah, I'm all over the place with TV stuff. And uh, yeah, now yeah, I'm starting to do that with movies as well, as I mentioned. Uh, the one that oh. I I watched so many that were great that I loved. Yeah, I loved the, okay. a, a Man Called Otto. The Blackberry movie okay. was great. Uh, okay. tr- Barbie was really funny. The the new Ninja Turtles movie was great. But the one I absolutely could not stand, and I know uh, uh, he's very popular, Wes Anderson as a director, uh, mm-hmm. Asteroid City. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. I thought it was perhaps the worst movie I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, wow. All right. No, no, for sure. I'll, I will. Is that on Netflix or is that actually in theater? Did you watch that in theater? Yeah, so that's what I've been doing with the movies. I've been watching them in theater. It's just a fun way in the a matinee, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday. Like, no one's in the theater, basically. It's just uh, fun to go there and, you know, watch a movie and, you know, kill some time. It's uh, great. And that movie, I think there was like eight people in the theater and three of them left. Uh, I almost <laughs> consider it, but I'm not going to leave. It's got to be some redeemable, uh, redeemable qualities. And I can totally see how it could be a cult classic for some people like some people i'm sure uh-huh. love asteroid city i was not uh-huh. one of them not at all dude well we actually went back to the theater as well too and we actually went uh we went and uh we watched the opening of uh equalizer three. Oh, what a flick i've not, I've not seen the, that one no with denzel washington have you seen any of his equalizer movies no no because basically this year was the first one i've gotten into movies after like a 20-year hiatus or something from oh. movies so yeah i've not I'm seen it it's on it's on netflix right now equalizer one i highly recommend it if you enjoy like uh, action, action dramas and stuff, but um, he's basically recreating the character that was a TV show in the in the eighties and stuff. So, um, season one or episode, uh, the first movie is on Netflix. The second one, I think you got to pay for, but the third one, the the final one, just another great, great one. And it's Denzel Washington, just again a great actor. So it obviously raises the cachet, but it was really good to be back in theaters and watching some stuff. Oh, absolutely, and then well, Denzel Washington, as you said. Uh, incredible yeah. actors, so uh, yeah, the listeners they they, got, they had some homework to to uh, to do now after listening to this episode for some things to watch, no, especially no Snoop Dogg on Coronation Street. Well, this has been a, this has been a, an awesome episode, Eric. Uh, love having you on every single time, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon after uh, Geno Smith, perhaps his Super Bowl MVP. My man, let's do it, man. Geno Smith, let's go. <laughs> let's ride. What an electric conversation with Eric Rosales. Always a great time shooting the shoot about NFL, NBA, and TV shows to watch. It'll be very fascinating to see how this NFL season goes. I'm still sticking with my prediction that the Seahawks are going to go 10-7 and and win one playoff game. I believe 2024 is the legit year where they actually could contend for a title. As we discussed, there is no more debate. Bryant Big Country Reeves is the GOAT basketball player. Most definitely. If you haven't seen them yet, watch The Bear on Disney+. Hijack on Apple TV, and also Hate Watch, Asteroid City. But perhaps you loved it. Let me know how you feel about it. Different strokes for different folks, right? You can follow Eric on social media where he posts his articles for sportsbettingdime.com at Eric Rosales, that's Eric with a C, Eric Rosales 77 on Twitter. Additionally, my editor Grant Nabesy Roberts is in a band, Jasper's Mind Melt, who just released their second album, Dark Pattern. It's available on Bandcamp or to stream on Apple Music or Spotify. And here's a song from the album called Stars. Thank you for listening to episode 93 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Hound Dog Harrison. Bang! Mm Bang! Mm Bang! Mm Bang! Bing!
Stars, we remember what.